The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. What is up? Welcome to episode number 370 of On the Corner, the official PitcherList.com podcast. I'm your host, Alex Fast, joined, as always, by the button-down boy, Nick Pollock. Nick, how you doing? Keeping it fast and loose over there. What is happening? I'm wearing a Henley shirt, Fast. <laughs> I know, but those two little buttons are so lascivious, you know what I mean? You're giving are, us are a little peek. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Giving <laughs> us a hot little peek of what's to come. It's an exciting time. This is what happens what when we record at 3.40 in the afternoon. Uh, his coffee for him it's like midday he's ready to go and we get lascivious no 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 it's not midday for anyone who i work with listening to this i record this late at night i do not record Uh, this during my lunch hour or in the middle of a work day um (laughs) i don't i don't think the crossover between employees that i work with and and listeners is big but just in case uh it's a big week over at 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 uh pitchless by the time you're listening to this as a matter of fact pitchcon will already be well underway well, maybe. I uh, but this comes out at one AM. So it's mm. it's it's annoying because here like when you guys are listening to it, you were twelve hours away from the reveal of PLV. Mm. And again, we've waited three and a half years to reveal this. I'm not gonna spoil it twelve hours before it. But it's really frustrating because I want to talk about it today, especially in this podcast. I know a lot of you are gonna have reactions to it. Um, I imagine some of you are not really gonna believe it at first, too. Um, which I totally understand, and we're going to work on that together. But it's really exciting. There's so much to go in about it. Um, it's, for me and a lot of people I've talked about, it's it's such an intuitive, obvious thing um, that makes all the sense in the world. And uh, we're really excited to explore it with you. Keep in mind, when we're, we reveal this today, it's not, we're this is it and we're done. It is the start for us. Um, we've begun that process, but there's a lot more we know that we're going to uncover along the way. And we're excited to see what you guys listening come up with, with it. So could not be more thrilled about it. And finally, I mean, we were just talking before this, like we've been holding this back for so long, so long. I mean, it's like three and a half years (laughs) we've been working on this idea. Um, and just saying it all in secret and stuff, but then finally just to have an open conversation tomorrow. You got to tune in. It's 12 to 2 is that presentation. Yes, two hours to go over everything involved with it for PitchCon. 
Uh, you can watch it at pitchless.com slash pitchcon. Also, hopefully you want to contribute to what we're doing the whole thing for, which is to raise money for ALS. Uh, we're trying to hit our $10,000 goal. We are not taking a cent of it. All 10000 that we hope to raise will be going to the ALS Association. So we hope that you can support a fantastic cause. But can't wait fast. Cannot. Very exciting. I think Nick would agree that I'm definitely one of the people who, when Nick presents a new thing to me, I'm very skeptical of it. Uh, oh and then God. we talk about it. But I always <laughs> like to play. I always like to play devil's advocate with him. And PLV. Why are you using CSW, Nick? <laughs> yeah, exactly. This doesn't make any sense. This is so stupid. One CS FSW award later. Um, yeah, so I, I I am very excited for for this big reveal. It's there's been so much work that Nick and the team have done on it, and it's ready. It's ready to be shared for sure. Uh, so make sure it. you you give us feedback on that and and tell us what your thoughts are on that. Uh, but for now, we're gonna move on. Um, we're gonna move on to forty one through fifty in in the top one hundred years. We've been breaking down, um, you know, bit by bit, every ten, every ten, every ten. Um, do you, where are we at in terms of tiers? Is this a new tier or are we still, are we still in the old tier? We're still in the old tier, but I'm happy okay. to rename it because, you know, this is what we do. We have a new theme every day. So, uh, what's well, I'm going to, we're, we're going to have a new tier in a bit, right? We'll have a new tier in here. At 45, we do. At 45. Okay. So I'll have a category for 45. I'll have a category. Um, I believe we had the last category was modes of transportation, right? Yes. Which I liked. I mean, that was a fun one. I could have really moved further along with it. Yeah. Um, But uh, that's a fun one. Save that one for the regular season too. I am. I'm going to give myself permission to, to, to reuse, to reuse (laughs) that one. Cause I I like that one. Um, Avengers Marvel movies. Okay. Not the superhero one. Let's not, let's ignore that one forever. Yeah. That was, that was a mess. That was spring training for everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, we have somebody 41 today and I imagine yesterday. um, Well, if you guys listen to the 31 through 40, episode at the end you probably were thinking wait a second there were a couple guys that nick has not mentioned yet and those are all in the first four here Mm -hmm. um i I don't know which one you thought it would be by now i but 41 fast someone we actually just talked about recently yeah 41 is really interesting so this is nick lodolo um there's a lot to go back and forth on here and uh, my thoughts have definitely evolved on him in the past couple of days one of the things that really stuck out to me that nick and i were talking about kind of offline um you know there's obviously plenty of good stuff there i mean that curveball is is a a really good pitch overall um obviously a lot of positives with the sinker as well the things that stuck out to me were of the 441 batters he faced this past year uh, only 12% were lefties. And contextually, that was the lowest in baseball. No starting pitcher with a minimum of, I think, 100 innings faced fewer lefties than Nick Lodolo faced. And there's a reason for that. He destroys lefties. Yeah, his Woba so against... He's very good. His Woba against left-handed hitters was 183, but his Woba against right-handed hitters was 344. And to me, that could be... Um, managers just stacking righties against him because they know that he can get lefties out so effectively. I also noticed he got hammered uh, the second time through the order. He went from a 241 ERA with a 286 Woba first time through the order to a 471 ERA with a 396 Woba the second time through the order. Um, I, originally I was like, I don't know. I really think he needs to figure something out if he's not going to regress. And then I tweeted something about this and Kyle Bodie. 
um, you know, head of driveline and, and worked for, for the Reds. What a perfect name. Bodie. Kyle Bodie. Um, <laughs> he had uh, the best accent in the world. Um, he, he responded, uh, you know, and listen, if, if a guy who worked one-on-one with Kyle Bode, with, excuse me, with, with Nick Lodolo is going to respond to your tweet, then you're probably going to pay attention to what he says. Um, and he essentially said that he does see him continuing to take positive steps forward because the, the, uh, excuse me, the velocity is so good. He also brought up a really good point where he said, mostly I would bet on Lodolo's walk rate to go down over time. There's no way his walk rates as a rookie are representative of what his career averages will be. His command is far too good for that. And that's something I never really thought about too, that we can, that I can do better taking into context about rookie walk rates. You know, you bring it up all the time, rookie debuts. You don't know what you're going to get in terms of uh, nerves and you don't know how they're going to deal with with adversity. Um, so that's a really good point to think. All right. You might be able to shake out some of those cobwebs. Um, I imagine 40 might be a little bit in line, maybe a little bit lower than where most people have. Nick Lodolo, what went to in what went into his ranking for you? Uh, so, I mean, there's a lot that goes into this one. Makao um, Bodhi is saying about the uh, the walk. <laughs> well done. I, I, I agree with a lot, um, especially when you have a sinker that does get a lot of strikes and then a breaking ball that has over a 60% strike rate. It generally does mean that you should be better than a 9% walk rate. I also do think that what we saw out of the changeup is going to get better over time. I remember being Mm -hmm. impressed with that changeup for a fair amount of starts. Overall, not an effective secondary pitch for Nick Lodolo, but it will help as they do face, uh, do put right-handers against them over time that will get better i think there is good movement on it good good action just for the most part he did have too many that were over the plate those did get hit a bit that's why you see the uh the 368 woba on it very fair uh but i think that does get limited more over time uh he also does jam right handers inside with four seamers um from time to time and that actually i am a bit impressed with his consistency of locating those it was just about um, 9% usage against right-handers. I wonder if that can change over the time. I wonder if that's also a thing about sinkers and four-seamers being oddly uh, classified. Um, I think we went back and forth a little bit on that. Um, yeah. Talking about the classifications of Lodolo's fastballs. But regardless, I think that his sinker is still good enough. I mean, he had a 32% CSW against right-handers with that sinker. Sure. Decent amount of those were uh, called strikes, but 11% swing strike rate on it. I think this does get better for Nick Lodolo over time. And I had I, I was debating a lot with should I be putting Lodolo farther down in the 40s? Should I be putting him up in the 30s? And at the end of the day, I see someone who had a 30% strikeout rate over 103 innings as a rookie. And mm. something that I've personally tried to do more of this year than I have in the past is to give more benefit of the doubt to rookies to development in the future. Um, it's something that we've seen over the past three, four seasons of generally, yeah, these guys that perform well to some extent um, in their first season that isn't just some exceptional season um, that we think have a good skill set. They do improve. Shane McClanahan, Alec yeah. Manoa um, mm-hmm. come to mind right away. So, Logan Gilbert held on to the gains that he did as a rookie as well, right? Sure. Um, in many facets. So, I mean, there are others. I'm just, that's just off the top yeah, of my head. Yeah. And I do think, yeah, Nick Lodolo, more time, has a 
better sinker that performs well, better changeup. The curveball overall is still really good, even against right-handers. 33% yeah. CSW, 61% strike rate, 14% hard contact against right-handers. You have a nullifier. It's already there. I think think better Andrew Heaney, essentially, uh, is what I see here. We have really good breaking ball, a sinker sense. that can miss bats. Um, and then you have a changeup that I think actually can take form over time. So I know great American small park is a thing. Doesn't help him. Um, the winds are going to be a little bit lower too. And that's why I have him outside of the top 40. But I look at the rest of the t- this top 40. It's going to get kind of weird by the end. And there's a more of a believable path for Nick Lodolo to be a serviceable member of your fantasy roster or really just be a, a stud for your fantasy roster. And let's say he just goes 150 innings, 160, 30% K rate. Let's say he even falls down to, to 25%. You're still pushing a lot of strikeouts in that time. I, I I like this overall for Nick Lido. I think his whip goes up and or his whip comes down, and it's a decent ERA as well. Two quick points too, based off what you just said. Um, one about pitch classification. It's almost you know I'm, I'm I'm obviously doing research as well along with Nick on our top 100 list. Mine will come out at the end of February. But as doing in doing this research, <laughs> in doing this research, he's actually one of the most futile guys for for me personally like honestly i can't get to in the weeds because every website pitcher list fan graphs baseball savant yeah. has a totally separate pitch classification and honestly i i see why there's a great interview with david um i don't know how to pronounce his last name correctly Loria. it's Lorilla. Loria, I'm, I'm not positive over yeah, at no. fan graphs he's obviously he's a fantastic wonderful. writer i am yeah. i am so impressed by his interviews it's insane. yeah his interviews are like literal must reads um yeah but he, he had a, another one of those must-read interviews with, with um, I think it was Nick, I think, or maybe Nick, had an, either way, he interviewed someone, it might have been Jeff uh, uh, over at Baseball America, I'm getting my names all mixed up. Um, <laughs> either way, he talked about the way that he breaks down his pitches and his heaters, and he says he also throws a cutter, and Kyle Bodie also seems to think that he throws a cutter. Um, but the difference is, but I don't think any of the websites really even have a predominant cutter usage for him. Yeah, we, have, we have like 2% slider usage, but that's at 83. I don't Yeah. So like, I, I just have no, so that, I mean, like, I want to be very clear about that because Nick can cite things about his singer usage and performance. I can do it. But when we truly don't know. It's tough for us to say, oh, well, if he takes a few steps forward with his sinker or his four seamer, sure, yeah. we just don't know. Not that you were saying that. The other thing too, this shocked me. Uh, a 285 ERA at home and a 511 ERA on the road. You know what that now, tells me? What? Home road splits are dumb. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, but but also ballpark, taking into consideration a pitcher's ballpark is not necessarily dumb. And thinking that over 66 and a 30 at a sub three ERA, that's kind of nuts. Also, you know, something like XFIP isn't going to be as pertinent for him because you can't regress to league average for, mm. for great American ballpark. Anyway, um, let's move on to number 42. Quick, um, by the way, one quick question on that. Shoot. Uh, are you including his August 11th start against the Cubs as a home game? His August? Oh, cause that was a neutral site. That was the field of dreams game. Even though he was a home team there. And that was actually a bad one. That was four and runs in 4.2 innings. And I hate it so much because I have no stack cast that. I have no pitch yeah. track. Nothing. Yeah. I am the curmudgeon. I am the angry individual writing to the paper. Why is this game being played? <laughs> because I want my data. And I don't get yeah. it. 
we're spoiled I mean, of course, with it. We all watched it live, but like yeah. I, I want my data. So can, yeah, I'm gonna ask them to put up some TrackMan cameras. That feels no, like hey, we'll we'll, we'll we'll support it. Brought to you by PitcherList. <laughs> Uh, I don't, I don't think it would count towards a home game on fan graphs, but I don't know how they break it up. Um, looking ahead to number 42, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get the obvious out of the way first. This is a garbage person, but we're going to talk about, uh, what his stats are, uh, and where he ranks and that's, uh, Jeffrey Springs. So he's coming in at 42, showed up on a lot of top 10 lists. Um, you know, only through 135 innings this year, which isn't too surprising. I mean, he was solely working in relief, uh, in his tenure with the Rays before this, but a 246 ERA with a near 14% swing strike rate, which would feel theoretically make you think that the K rate could probably jump up a tick as well. This is a guy who the ceiling is high for if he can hit 160, 170 innings and maintain what he's got, because we're talking about a 1.07 whip, but here he is at number 42. What are you thinking about Jeffrey Springs? Jeffrey Springs. Um, I'm glad what you said at the beginning, um, his pitch separations are really good Four seamers up change ups uh, down in arm side and sliders down in glove side. And that changeup is elite. It is it is truly a phenomenal offering. Um, I kind of see him maintaining a lot of this. Uh, against lefties, the slider was good down and away. High strike rate on it. It wasn't the most overwhelming thing. It's actually kind of surprising how Jeffrey Springs' biggest weakness might be against lefties. I mean, is <laughs> four-seamer. He threw 43% of the time against lefties and it had a 46% hard contact rate. Hmm. It's, it's very bad, um, but I do think that the slider should take a step forward. It, its command wasn't very good last year over the zone. I think that should be better next year, but he demolishes right-handers with that changeup. It's ridiculous. It's near 70% strike rate, 18% hard contact rate. Its X average was eight, 184, wow. 23% swing strike rate, and you look at it too. It passes the eye test. This isn't like one of yours. Oh, it's a four seamer, but it's slower. This is your proper like dip and dive, you know, yeah, um, like a wrench. And it's that was a reference that I don't think anyone is going to put together on the fly, but it's fine. Dodgeball, baby. Um, oh, yeah, it's yeah. beautiful. It's a beautiful pitch. And I do wonder, actually, if Jeffrey Springs does elect to go lefty on lefty crimes, how much you can get away with it. He did it very sparingly. We're talking 5% usage. He threw 27 change-ups against lefties last year. But he did get uh, about, I'm doing quick maths here, 27 has a 25% swing strike rate on it. It's a fourth of them. So still very good. Um, it's about seven whiffs on it. Yeah, there you go. I got it. I uh, I think that can be changed for the better for Jeffrey Springs. I I do have that worry about lefties facing the fastball. But righties, he had a 13% swing strike rate, 31% hard contact on it because mm-hmm. of that changeup as a nullifier. Uh, and considering that you're generally going to still see right-handers a lot more than lefties, especially as a left-handed pitcher, I think Jeffrey Springs is set for another good season. Uh, 246 ERA, 107 whip, likely are not going to be repeated. The volume should be fine. Uh, and winning ball club with a raise, good amount of strikeouts, low walk rate. Uh, we're getting to the point of hey, are these guys going to help my teams or not? Yeah. And Jeffrey Springs, yeah, you're going to help my team and also have better than a 20% strikeout rate or a 21 or so. So, yeah, he's at 42 for me. 
Yeah, the, the, the fastball is super unique. I think it gets a lot of ride um, overall for, for a lefty. Uh, you know, there's there's a little bit of a concern there for me just about the overall performance of it. I mean, I think you got a little bit lucky uh, with it, and theoretically we could see the, the, the Woba fall down a little bit. But like you said, those that off-speed pitch is just so so good for him um, it really is um, x average was 338 on the four seamer against lefties and he had a 279 average uh he threw a ton of them in the middle of the plate and i think that actually that can change that's uh, there are times when i see a guy's doing what he wants to do and it doesn't work and other times when i see oh you're just throwing these in the middle of the plate like just do the same thing that you do against right handers where they're not in the middle of the plate and he'll be just fine um, yeah. so I think that adjustment can come. Also, I think the slider can perform better as well against left-handers. He didn't face too many of them, but, uh, that can change. Um, and overall 15% swing strike rate from Jeffrey Springs is really, really impressive. Yeah. Guys just seem like they really get under it a lot. Um, you know, there's a, a great section in the pitcher list player pages. If you click on their pitch and then go to batted ball, you can take a look at what kind of contact guys are making, you know, weak top under and then flare and burner, which is, you know, really the, the kind of contact that you, you want a lot of, right. Cause it's, it's pretty weak contact, right? No, no. Well, no. Well, flares are going to land for hits. Burners are going to be super hard hit grounders. You want, you want weak my thinking top of? and under. Oh, those top. Of, yeah, I'm getting those two confused. So the flare and yeah. burner then is 28, uh, percent which is about six percent above league average. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's probably not good either. So really, is there are a good amount of signs that 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 four seam could drop in performance a bit, which is something to to take note of. Yeah, I, I mean, I really just think it's command against lefties with the four seamer, and uh, really could just be intent with them. I mean, he's throwing so many down the middle to them. Like, please just. Elevate it like you do against righties, and I think that should be a lot better. Let's move on to number 43, but before we do, we're going to take a quick break. Fast, that was the smoothest transition <laughs> to Mad Break. We just like, were like, nope, Mad Break, done. Move on. I didn't have a moment to, to be upset at you. <laughs> just call me Trey Turner, baby. Uh, nice oh, wow. and smooth. Never. Uh, <laughs> let's, let's look at Logan Gilbert. I think I owe Logan Gilbert an apology because... I, I don't know. I like he was one of those guys where I was really excited coming into the season because, you know, we had talked about pitchers like him in Seattle where there was so much foundation for greatness uh, with that four seamer. Right. Like looking at the metrics in 2021, um, it, it was a it was a, a good pitch for him. And it seemed like he was going to be able to build on that because he didn't really have the slider and the changeup. And maybe I was expecting too much of him, but he did put together a really good season, 185 yeah. innings of a 3.20 ERA. Sure, the, the K rate took a you know a, a dip down to about 23%, down from 25%. The swing strike rate dropped as well. And while the slider you know, regressed in terms of whiff, that's a really good season uh, where the four-seam gains maintained. You just have to think, all right, keep those four seamer gains, get some of those whiffs back. And maybe there's another additional step forward for Logan Gilbert. Yeah. I could be honestly switching Jeffrey Springs and Logan Gilbert by, uh, um, by February 7th. It might be a case of where I was about 34 on Logan Gilbert, I think um, in my October ranks. And I, I, I kept feeling this pull to bring down Logan Gilbert. Um, and it might have gone one step too far. I always need to do, it's always like one initial one, one pull back, and then I settle sure. in the middle um, where I feel good. 
But my biggest concerns are just that there isn't enough coming from the secondary still. And the four-seamer isn't this elite pitch. I uh, 10.8% uh, swing strike rate against righties and 7 point, uh, oh, sorry, I apologize, 15% against lefties, uh, which is strange because you normally see the reverse. You normally see uh, four-seamers do well against the same handedness um, as it's just a harder angle and all of that. And he's doing well against lefties by staying away from them and not even jamming them. That seems odd to me, especially with a 33% hard contact rate on that uh, fastball against lefties. And against righties, it's a 35% hard contact rate with as a, the aforementioned lower swing strike rate. Generally, when you see a high 70, 71% strike rate on a fastball, it is paired with a little bit of a higher swinging strike rate. It's because they're throwing a lot in the zone and they're doing it well at the top of the zone, right? I think yeah. of like Strider's doing that. Robbie Ray's has a better one, right? Gilbert's not necessarily getting it. So then when you look at the slider and you look at the curveball, you want to see more from them because right now sliders should be exceptional. Sliders to right-handers mm -hmm. might be the number one successful pitch in the majors. So when you think about any scenario, throwing a four-seamer against a lefty or a changeup against a righty, whatever it is, or opposite-handedness, a slider to same-handed batters is the most successful pitch. They're just unless you're Logan Webb. One. Yeah, unless you're Logan Well, unless you're <laughs> Logan Gilbert, right? Because it's just not the Logans. Oh my God! <laughs> it's the <Yeah>. Logans. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, they have low gains on their sliders. <laughs> Very nice. I thirty percent hard contact on it. What? What's going on here? Two seventy average allowed. He doesn't get swings and misses. Just eleven percent swing strike rate. Sub thirty percent O swing on it. It's shocking. And then you look at the curveball thing. All right, well, 31% sees that, but he gets more strikes with it. But it's a lot of show me in the middle uh, called strikes. 19% called strike rate. 46% hard contact on that. So you threw it 13% of the time. So I, I'm kind of wondering, I don't know if he gets better. Like we talked about Jeffrey Springs. Jeffrey Springs had a better season last year. I mean, under for fewer innings, don't get me wrong, 185 innings last year for Logan Gilbert. We feel like he's the stalwart of of being a, a, a workhorse, really, 174 strikeouts last year, right? Like, a, hey, he's going to go every game. He's on the, the Mariners, 13 wins last year, could be higher, so on and so forth, could develop. Um, as I was mentioning before, where I'm not necessarily giving enough credit to these young guys for it. But Logan Gilbert, I, I was hoping to see more this year in development. We're talking spring training, new slider, new changeup, right? Yeah. No, it didn't matter. And he did even tinker at the end of the year. Looked like he was going back to more of the slower breaking balls um, with his slider, which is interesting. And I, I kind of think that's encouraging. For example, he was throwing like 87 uh, mile per hour sliders for most of the year. Then all of a sudden the last couple were closer to 86, 85 at times on that breaker. Uh, maybe that means he's going to have the bigger looper year one than we saw in 2021. Because that was at least a 19% swing strike rate on the slider, not the 11% to right-handers, right? Uh, that could be something that takes him forward. I don't know. It, it, it's it's all confusing, and I don't have faith in Gilbert fixing it now. You know, mm -hmm. it, it's maybe this is a fault of mine where, you know, uh, development isn't linear. But I see a guy have a proper season, 2021, 120 innings for Logan Gilbert. He knows what he needs to work on. He tries to work on it and he fails for a full year, right? I don't have as much faith that he's going to, with instruction, be better now. It's harder for me to expect that development, right? 
I'm not saying yeah. it, it could easily be a fault of mine, but that's how I'm looking at this. Then I look at his full season of, hey, it was a 320 ERA, 118 whip, 23% K rate. I also think, well, it's a 10% home run fly ball rate, uh, 88% left on base rate. I think he's a bit worse than this. Uh, you see the the exit of 375. I'm so sorry to say that. 346 <laughs> FIP. Uh, XERA 387. Uh, that's our XERA, but we really like it. Um, yeah, not great. It's more of a Toby than I want him to be. Mm-hmm. So I have him down a little bit at the moment. I could be convinced to push him maybe closer to the top 40, maybe over Jeffrey Springs even. But yeah, he's not a target of mine at this point. I think the, the really the main argument, if they're back to back, if their arsenals are, you know, that similar or the tiebreaker to me is innings, right? I mean, Jeffrey Springs is more likely to not get the innings solely because the Rays. Oh, yeah. Gilbert's so got the innings one yeah. of expectation. Strikeout rate. Whip. I, I mm. believe more in Jeffrey Springs. Yeah. Yeah. The slider really is interesting for, for him. It looks like he did tinker with it a bit as the season progressed. Um, got a lot more vertical movement in the last couple of months of the season or particularly the last month of the season. Um, but that was probably a smaller sample. It, it's by stuff plus, you know, looking at Eno's stuff plus. Um, well, it's not just Eno, it's Eno and um, Max uh, Bay. Max Bay. Yeah. Thank you. Um, they really like it. It's a re- and it's interesting because usually you can see a good correlation between stuff plus um, stuff plus and location plus uh, it's a one twelve overall, which is, which is high in pitching plus um, it's very good. Um, usually you can see a kind of correlation to some kind of loopy movement and there, there isn't, there mm-hmm. isn't, it's, it's a, it's and, a tighter. And what, what's, so, so it likes the stuff plus, but it hates the location plus. I assume. No, it likes both. It likes both. Interesting. Both are over 100. The Stuff Plus is a uh, 107. The Location Plus is a 108. And the Pitching Plus is a 112. Mm-hmm. Um, so, which means that it's theoretically kind of filthy and he can locate it super well. Um, but it's like you said, I wouldn't really associate it. You know, it's strange to see a pitch with Stuff Plus like that return a, a, a 13% swinging strike rate, you know, a below average swinging strike rate. Yeah, and a below average called strike rate. And yeah, and the location plus is good, right? Um, yeah, uh, that's interesting to me that the that pitch quantifier uh, favors Logan Gilbert's slider um, that well. Let's move on to number forty-four. Uh, the person who we need to take it easy on. I will not stand for this anti-Pablo Lopez sentiment that is pervasive <laughs> on my Twitter. Like, I, I honestly. I really thought that, like, maybe I totally undervalue Luis Arias, but, like, I really thought that was a good move for the Twins. I really was excited. Oh, and that, that, no, no, The whole thing about the trade was that people were like, wait, that's it? That's all it costs? And the, the Marlins, like, the Marlins overpaid is what everyone was saying. At least that's why I saw. It's like they gave prospects yeah. and Pablo Lopez. That's what was, I thought a Pablo Lopez for Luis Arise one for one was totally fine for me. But then I saw some people out here on Twitter saying Pablo Lopez is never more than a number four starter. He's not that good. What? And I was like, what is going on? Like, yeah, what are these people? I don't know who you're following. I'm not following those people. Uh, it was it was a little bit wild. It was a, it was a little bit wild. I'm sorry, I'm that opinion. I'm probably following. It's fine. <laughs> and, and, yeah, probably. But it's, to me, like. Listen, I, I've said this for years. I think we can go back on my Twitter and see this for proof. It's just perpetually one of the most underrated changeups in, in all of baseball. I mean, it's a third consecutive year of an 18 plus swing strike rate. 
yeah, the hard contact jumped on it a little bit. Um, I will say though, there's, there's some, there were some interesting things that happened last year. I mean, we saw the prototypical Pablo Lopez, right? We saw the fact that the Mets are just not a team. He can throw a baseball against it. That's, <laughs> that's totally fine. Now, Mostly in theory, he might this year. Yeah, unless uh, if they get them because every team plays each other, if right. he still yeah, gets the Mets, I guess that, it's like a 50-50 chance, right? That would be so funny. I so obviously on the surface, aside from the career high 180 innings pitched, the K rate drops, right? But the swing strike strike rate was a career high. Swing strike rate was 13% for him. And I was like, okay, how did this happen? Where did the Ks go? He threw about as many pitches in two strike counts last year as he did the year before. So it wasn't like a, a contact in two strike counts or a two strike count issue. It wasn't that. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks like he stopped going to the changeup as frequently in two strike counts and he wasn't able to use that as effectively. The four seamer jumped up in put away rate and it seems like he really introduced the curveball in two strike counts. And I don't think that pitch is it for whiffs. It did mm-hmm. not get a lot of two strike whiffs. Um, he relied a little bit on it for, for called strikes. And I don't think that is it for him. I do think so. I think if we can up the changeup usage in two strike counts, he can pick up the K total. Also, this is something that you brought up, I believe, when we covered the trade uh, in the last podcast. And there's a lot of merit to this, which is that Minnesota last year was 27th in innings pitched from starters. Now, there's a lot of nuance there, obviously. Yeah. If you have really poor starters, you're not going to have a higher innings pitch total because they get pulled quicker. With that said, Tampa Bay led the league in fewest innings pitched uh, from a starter because it yeah. does these point are, to the fact that... These are the Oliver Twist of twin of starters. Um, what, is, what does that are, mean? They're poor pitchers that want some more. That want some more, sure. With that said, too, Pablo Lopez... Well, there's another caveat here, but Pablo Lopez was really not good third time through the order. Yeah. I don't pay attention a lot in third time through the order because, as you have aptly put, which I think is very pertinent, if you see a really good third time through the order, you're like, well, yeah, no, duh. A guy is coasting through the first and second time through the order. He's probably going to be left in the game and, as a result, right. do well the third time through the order. But it is important when we see a really big difference in the other direction and Pablo Lopez has that it wasn't league leading but he struggled third time through the order so if you take fewer innings but more effective innings cut down on the risk of injury and have a path for more Ks those are that's a lot of and has a really good changeup that's a lot of positives in the direction of Pablo Lopez yeah that that's all fun stuff I love the fact that Pablo throws ready on ready crimes um, mm-hmm. with this changeup and it's a 22% swing strike rate. What's really shocking to me is that Pablo Lopez's changeup doesn't do so well against lefties. Uh, 15% swing strike rate, opposite handedness. Normally that's where we see the whiffs. Yeah. Um, very strange. By the way, the, uh, you're talking about two strike counts and stuff. Actually the curveball and the cutter got in the way. Yeah. Um, and that's interesting that cutter, because, man. well, that's the thing is that why I'm not necessarily out on Pablo. I feel like I actually will get Pablo Lopez on a lot of leagues because I get him in like the 14th round or so. And I think he's more of a stable. This is the end of this tier. It's not the start of the next one. Right. So I see Pablo as part of the really like the last bastion of I am not dropping these guys. Hmm. Right. Um, we're right there in the middle of the 40s. And I talk about every year I want four guys that I'm not dropping in any leagues. And like, yeah, why would you? I, I don't really foresee a, a moment 
or Pablo Lopez and his sub 120 whip the last three years um, and worst ERA of 375 and 24% plus strikeout rates. Like, why am I dropping? I wouldn't. So if I get him as my SP4, SP5, this is wonderful. I'm yeah. so thrilled about it. Now we're going to talk about in the back half of this very volatile arms. Um, and that's why it's this is really the end of it. There are some that I feel like I won't drop, but it's about health a lot more. Um, and that that's a bigger issue. Um, really good point about third time through the line with Pablo Lopez. I think we talked about that yesterday about the reaction to this trade is him going to Minnesota should eat into his innings. Regardless of how they treat him, though, I don't think that Pablo Lopez is going to get hurt because he's pitching a sixth inning. I, yeah. I, I don't really think that's the True. way it works. So health is still a risk here. Um, 102 in 2021, there was a shoulder thing then. There was a shoulder thing in 2020. There was a shoulder thing in 2019. That's always been a thing. Um, fortunately, he made 11 starts, 57 innings in 2020, but we still had concerns about it. And I'm glad that he threw 180 innings. No problems last year. It's still not gone. It's still not. Uh, I think anyone expect 180 again every five games. You shouldn't be. So there still is an element of that. The 375 ERA. I think, honestly, this is a product of him being a two-pitch pitcher still. And he's been trying as hard as he can to get that cutter and curveball. There have been days it's great and it's there, it's exciting, and then it's not there. And I I believe in Pablo Lopez, the person. Um but at some point, we need to recognize that this is likely not the what's going to happen moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, the changeup, being a four-seamer changeup is hard. It's much harder than being four-seamer slider or four-season or four-seamer curveball. Um, and when the four-seamer isn't this elite pitch against lefties, eight percent swing strike rate, um, not great. Two ninety-two batting average allowed last year, three sixty-five woba. Um, against right-handers, it fared much better, near 16% swing strike rate, if you can believe it. Um, but still 224 batting average allowed. It's not absolutely elite, but I like it. 41% CSW probably is going to come down yeah. as he mostly stayed away. Um, he, he tried to dot this down and away and then actually set that up with a changeup and the changeup again. Massive against them, right? So uh, the whole story of Pablo Lopez to me isn't speaking to a top 25 upside top 20 pitcher which everyone else really in ahead of him has and that's a huge thing i focus on is i'm like hey you should be getting a guy in your top four that you're not uh that if you're starting the entire year they should have that chance because that's how you win leagues you don't win leagues drafting the 50th starting pitcher yeah you win leagues by the 50th pitcher you draft is the top 25 guy right you want to be um, giving yourself as many opportunities for those big swing pitchers. So I like Pablo Lopez a lot. I think he's going to be solid through, for you through the year. Better win chance in Minnesota. Even though it's a more balanced schedule, that's still a lot of games against AL Central. That is good for Pablo Lopez. Not against, as you mentioned, the NL beast now. Um, but yeah, he's fine. And until the cutter or curveball really take a step forward, I think he's still just going to be playing with fire um, and more like a three, six ERA guy with a middling mid teens whip than a three ERA guy with a one ten whip and a 25% K rate. Okay. Well said a lot of great information on Pablo Lopez. We're going to move to number 45 uh, and that's 
uh, Chris Sale. I I don't even know. Like I don't even know what to say, what to do. Like like he did fracture his finger. Oh no. Okay. Um, I'm not just gonna say that. This is pretty straightforward. When Chris Sale pitches, he's good. Sure. I mean, when? No, but that but that's the thing though. I I we're getting to that point of the cliff. It's getting close at right now. I just said that Pablo Lopez was the, the last one I feel I'm not going to drop him the entire year. I'm just not. And you can make that argument about Chris Sale too, that when Chris Sale pitches, you are going to have him in your lineup. But it's the amount of it is the biggest question. And we had Tommy John and then we had a fractured finger. Um, I mean, yeah, sure, there was also the delays in the Tommy John. Fine, you know, he came back 2021 and then delayed this year. I think it was a shoulder thing. Um, started the year and then he had the fractured finger. I remember that. Oh, God, I was so upset. I watched that live and I was like, you got, oh, because I just wanted, I, not, I don't even think I had him on a team. It was just more, I want to see Chris Sale just like give me understanding. And yeah. we don't have one. I, but what we have seen in 2021 was that everything was kind of fine except for the changeups, a little bit down in the velocity. The velocity we saw in the very small 5.2 innings was 95, which is fine. I, yeah, it's just how many innings? How many innings are we going to get a Chris Sale this year fast? I don't know. I mean, there's already a great, you know, one of the best articles out there, Jeff Zimmerman's Mining the News. Back in January, Boston already said they want to be conservative with him. Um so I, I, and he's, what kind of cracks me up over the past three seasons, he's thrown 195 innings and he has one, two, three, four, yeah. four, four seasons years. where he has eclipsed what he has done in the past three. Yeah. Um, I think we'll get one, 130. Okay. So, okay. So 130 innings of Chris Sale. Let's go with this. Um, ERA is what? 40. Um, is he 40. 40. Um, I'll, I'll say I'll stick with the low. I'll stick with the low. Th- no, I'll, so I'll go mid three. I'll say three, 325, okay. 330. Okay, let's just say it's 340. Okay. Um, whip. Where are we at? Low walk rates. Yeah, I mean, uh, he's in seasons where he's healthy, his highest has been like 110. So right. I'll say even with that, I'll, I'll say 110 is a worst. Okay, so I'll, I'll even put that as 340, 113. Okay. Yeah. Strikeout rate. That's the tough one. So, I mean, I, mean, I don't, I mean, ignore the 20% in 5.2 innings. No, no, no. I ignore that, but I don't think it would be uncommon. I don't think 25%. Sure. Is that fair? Right. Yeah. So, I mean, this is like, uh, I, I, look, this is very broad, but I do want to grasp that understanding of like Chris Sale, 130 innings, 3-4 ERA, 113 whip, 25% K rate. That's great. That is helpful for your team. And that's the point I'm trying to make. It's also nicer that it's uh, it's not like a volatile state of performance. It's based on health. So this is yeah. obviously one that's like, hey, spring training, are you throwing 91 or are you saying like 94? Okay, cool. Yeah. 94, 95, right? And what all I'm saying is draft him at this point. You have the four or five that you have through the year. You have them. Now you have Chris Sale. And the ones we're going to talk about the, for the, the rest of this podcast are not locks to be good. 
Yeah. They really aren't. And if you want to take the jump and say like, no, I'm going to win my league because one of those guys is going to go 160, 170 innings of beneficial stuff. Absolutely. This is why he's the top of this tier. I'll, I'll give a name in a second. Mm-hmm. But that is the real issue, um, I think, with or the real reason why I have to put Chris Sale where I am now because of the landscape of everything. And to me, there isn't a definitive guy that is just, yeah, you put him in when he starts and he's positive for your team yeah. where we're not saying like 50 innings like Lance McCullers was could be in here, too. I have much more question mark about Lance McCullers and his health. Jack Flaherty the same way. Of like, I recognize that those guys are generally very good when they pitch, but man, am I terrified of what we're going to see from them. Totally. So I think it's more believable of the fractured finger of Chris Sale. Finger. 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 And and I do want to talk about those other ones. No. But we're going to do it after this break. All right, Fast, tell me, what is the the theme for tears here? Because it's going to start with Chris Sale. Candles. (laughs) What? What? Candles? Candles smells. Okay, so for, I'm happy you clarify because at first I'm like, I don't know, a candle. <laughs> <laughs> no, candle scents. Candle tables. Scent. Tables. That's her job. Tables. No, um, you know what? I got it. Okay. This one, this tier is called 16 candles. Oh, very lovely. <laughs> Go on. Because... Why? Because it's a coming of age. It's it's a definitive time in their lives where we're going to be thinking of them differently after this season. Okay, well, the, what perfect transition that is to number 46, Reed Detmers, um, yeah. who, I mean, a lot of kind of back and forth with him last year, and then what? Came up and threw a no-hitter, which was something that... Uh, yeah, uh, not that, was, that was a... I want to do air quotes. Can I do air quotes over around a no hitter? Yeah, because it was, it was like the worst review I've given of a no hitter in a long time. (laughs) Um, Was it the two K's that made it that way? Um, I, I I was just saying like, yeah, this is a, yeah, no, no, this is weird. I was like, Oh man, I actually, it's the second year in a row. I've streamed a no hitter by the way. Yeah. Spencer, it was Spencer Turnbull. And oh then, God. and then Reed Detmers, Spencer two for Turnbull. two, <laughs> last two years. Spencer going to be this year. He's probably yeah, going to be in your top one hundred in the back end, isn't he? Uh, you have to wait and find out. Oh, that's um, exciting. I forgot about Spencer Turnbull. I uh, but but yeah, Reed Detmers didn't have a slider at the beginning of the year. Then he went to um, went to the minors. I believe it was Buddy mm-hmm. Carlisle who fixed his mechanics. Um, and realized that the shoulders were not aligned on delivery. They were, they were leaning too much. I believe it was, um, came back and he had a slider and oh boy, it was, it was glorious. We had a five game stretch of just four earned runs. Um, it looked like uh, quick maths here about 40 strikeouts in that time. Um, including a 12 game uh, strikeout effort against the Rangers and all just kind of came together. I mean, yes, later on, he had some struggles. Uh, he had yeah. a three-game stretch of just eight strikeouts. He had three, ga- uh, four games where three of them had four and runs. Um, but what I see is a 23-year-old. I uh, was going to turn 24 in the middle of the year. That is developing. And I see, the, I see how it works. I see how this does come together for him. 
The slider getting whiffs is massive. The curveball is a very good pitch. The four-seamer is a good pitch. And this is definitely one of those cases where I see the 121 whip, 377 year rate, 23% K rate. We know this stuff is better than the line is. It's just about forming consistency. And Reed Detmers has that potential to really jump up. And I looked at the other starters after this, especially younger ones. I struggled to find another real legitimate pitcher who showcased I have the ability I have it here. It's not like, hey, Aaron Ashby, your sinker is just so bad against right-handers. We have to fix that one, right? And he doesn't have the opportunity. I talk about it actually at First Pitch Arizona. I talked about this, where how do you find breakout stars? And it's always there's some negative about the previous season that needs to be changed, right? It's either opportunity. It's either health. Is it is it uh, learning a new pitch? Is it all of these things? Is it rhythm? And with Detmers for being a young guy, for it to just really be, just fine-tune what he already has is this is the easiest path to success in my view. So I'm being a little aggressive here in Reed Detmers. I went back and forth on it and I thought, you know what? I think he has it. I think it's there and I'm excited to see a full season of it. I'm going to be a little more aggressive on taking the chance on this one than the other guy's. Um, later on. So Reed Detmers, uh, you're going to find your way on a good amount of my teams. He did have it, but he but he lost it. That's where I'm yeah. kind of like, I don't know, he lost it at the end of the year. Right. Um, and it's the end of the year. We, we, you know, we don't know. I mean, it was a significant enough sample size, um, you know, 25 innings with a, a 497 ERA. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I think, too, for me, what gets me a little bit worried is and maybe it's just me overthinking. I, I like to think about the context of teams, and I just don't think the Angels are good I, I with know. pitchers. I, I knew exactly what you'd say before this even podcast started. I wrote to Reed Detmers at this point. I'm like, he's going to hate it because it's the Angels. <laughs> it, it is. I mean, I just don't think they're they're good at develop. I mean, God, remember when we were so excited about Griffin Canning? Like, mm. And I think Reed Detmers is kind of that, where it's just like there's an upside pitch that's there, and there's articles that we can read about tweaks. I And listen, there's plenty of evidence. I fully agree. He came back and, and, and looked really, really good with that slider. Um, and I remember being super annoyed that I missed on him in a lot of drafts and then it just fell by the wayside again. I personally am probably going to be a little bit lower on him. I don't know if he's going to be able to form that consistency. And I think what you made was a really good point, but I think there are really the next three guys, certainly 48 and 49, I think have a better track record, Uh, have better stuff. That's that's a fun conversation. Um, Yeah. I, the, the way I see it, and, and those guys, by the way, are uh, Gonsolin and Dustin May, just because I want to talk about it really quickly right now. I see more fault in the actual uh, approach um, that's harder to fix than Detmers. Now, a really good case is that, look, that's Dustin May and Gonsolin on the Dodgers. Better defense and a better organization to fix it. And maybe I am undervaluing that aspect of it where the weight of that influence is makes those faults fixable more so than Detmers and his rhythm, essentially, is what I'm what my argument is. And I could be very much wrong about that. And that 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 might be why Gonson and Dustin May should be higher than Reed Detmers. Um, what I see from Reed Detmers, in short, is a four seamer that he can elevate, is a slider that We've seen stretches like 
legitimate stretches that he adjusted and then had the slider. I don't know why it wasn't there at the end. Um, but I see that being, okay, more development. That becomes more of a consistent thing. And the curveball is fantastic. The curveball yeah. is a legitimate curveball. Um, I, if you notice, I haven't really talked about numbers in this with Demers because I don't feel strong about the full s- scope of the season. It's an up and down. So whatever overall number I give, it's not really representative of it. Um, but the one thing that did stick the entire year was 16% hard contact on the curveball. Um, and that's really nice. 35% CSW on it. X average of 187. That isn't going anywhere. Uh, so it's really just add that slider and have that. And it's there regardless of it being the angels in my view. Um, but yeah, maybe I am too low on, on Gonsal and may we'll get to those guys in a moment. Before we do, though, there's one person in between them, a, a former Dodger who now has a new team down in Texas, and that is Andrew Heaney. Obviously, the introduction of what was a new slider, but not a sweeper, as he uh, made uh, was quick to point out, was very nice for him. Um, you know, 17% swinging strike rate last year with a 36% K rate and a near three ERA. Now, obviously, as is frequently the case with Andrew Heaney, that came with under a hundred innings in his what is this almost deck one two three you know, four fast. five six. it's unbelievable many, it's unbelievable. how many years has he been pitching you know if you're on the pitchless player pages you realize it's an eighteen point four percent swing strike rate because we include foul tips as you should you're right sorry uh, listen yeah. I have all these tabs pulled up I just happen to be unbelievable this is what I oh stop I <laughs> I've been all I've been doing is 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 talking about uh, how great the player the, the, the uh, right. pages that's why are. our swing strike rates are different by the way we include foul tips as you should foul tips into the glove is a whiff it's counted as a whiff um, swing and miss on it it's a whiff. So I, Andrew Heaney, I, I, I struggle with this one too. I have no idea where to place Andrew Heaney. 72 yeah. innings last year. His most healthy season, the most innings he's had was 129 in 2021. Oh, also, he had 180 in 2018. Oh, I apologize. Yeah, that's so far away. <laughs> but fair enough. Yeah, Chris Sale, Nick. All right, fair enough. Okay. Um, the 310 ERA and 109 whip, there are two aspects of it. One is that was ridiculously better than everything else that we saw. It was a smaller sample, but also it was the Dodgers, which did help out with the Hipper 9, pulling it down to 7.5, um, sub 300 Babbitt, uh, to 293 for what it's worth. Um, the home run five ball rates are still kind of there, uh, but a higher left on base rate, I think, was the biggest change, uh, 79%, which can be thankful to the Dodgers for having. Um, are Crow Seeger and Semyon enough there, or is just the overall Rangers defense for Heaney? I don't know, but I think we should all expect the whip to go back up a bit from that 109. Same with the ERA, 375 fit, by the way. I uh, when it comes to the stuff, I remember the first two games where he was just so good, and everyone was like, I'm the smartest person ever because I drafted mm. Andrew Heaney at 275 in my drafts, and I was very much against it. Um, and I regret being against it because I just I just didn't believe that Heaney not only would learn a new pitch, but have amazing command of it. And he, mm. he did. That, that was his biggest struggle for Heaney for so long was the command. And he all of a sudden had it with a slider. Uh, one element I do want to mention is the four-seamer has always been this really good swing striker pitch, but it got even better. 14% overall last year with it, but it still allows damage. Uh, 360 Woba last year on that four-seamer for Andrew Heaney. And the question remains, is that slider legitimate to be a 26% swing strike rate again? 
and a 177 average allowed, I'm I'm gonna likely say no. Um, the skills they learned with the Dodgers are going to stick, but the problem becomes when there is an issue with it, he doesn't have the same people to fix it. Uh, and there will be, trust me, there will be volatility with Andrew Heaney, and then it might turn into a cherry bomb situation. I think there's a little bit more faith in my view of Reed Detmers becoming a thing. No, this is why I have it ranked as I do. No, yeah. Um, over time. And also the fact of the health of Andrew Heaney is another detrimental thing. So those are the two aspects that have me underneath it. But I can absolutely hear a case of putting right next to Chris Sale saying like, look, like we believe in Andrew Heaney's ability. Now it's just about being healthy and starting him. I get that a lot. Um, It's really close for me. The reason I was laughing because I was trying to remember who the new pitcher was that, um, went to LA and we were like, Oh my God, is LA going to do what they always do and turn this person around? And it was Shelby Miller. Um, (laughs) but there's another quiet signing that happened, uh, that I didn't even realize happened. Maybe you did. I didn't for the Dodgers. Um, yeah, that they they acquired. No, they, Oh, actually Noah Syndergaard is the person that I was thinking of who it was like, Oh, maybe they can turn him around. Yeah. It was Noah Syndergaard. But as I was looking on their fan graphs page to see who that pitcher could be, um, they, this is, this has to happen because of course it will. They signed this pitcher. I'll say who it is in a second. And I bet you, this is just the pitcher that we're like, what, how did they turn this person into like a sub three ERA pitcher? Uh, you're never going to guess it. There's just too many names. Cool. No, no, no. I can give you hints if you want to yeah, guess, want but it's going to be hints. tough. Uh, a former Marlins prospect pitcher <laughs> uh, who then went to the Mets in a trade. I Oh, gosh, I know this. Oh, no way. Like Jordan Yamamoto? They signed Jordan Yamamoto. No. Which, like... I wonder if they were, uh, listen, if the Dodgers sign a pitcher, it's because they think that they can do something with him. There's, there is no world in which I am drafting any Jordan Jordan Yamamoto. Yamamoto. Everyone's like, who is this? All right. Jordan Yamamoto was a kitchen sink guy. He came up, I think like 2019, if I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. Um, It was a time with Eliezer Hernandez. And there was like debate of who's better in this and that. Um, Kitchen sink again, low nineties. This is from what I remember back then. And the Mets didn't make him any better. Maybe worse. Um, decent, decent breakers. There were times when the slider did things, but it's just about like trying to get strikes with all five of them as best as he could. Um, maybe there is something in one of those breakers that the the Marlins go like, "Hey, throw that cutter more" or whatever it is. But I mean, the Marlins knew like, "Yeah, this isn't. We have so many options here in Jordan Yamamoto, isn't it?" Um, I, I know, think but Tommy John the- too. So, I think so. If the Dodgers are signing him, it's just going to be a funny thing to keep track of. Well, like yeah, to me, it would be yeah. so Dodgers to be like, "Yep, they turned Jordan Yamamoto into." <laughs> it's like that's insane to me. Um, anyway, we got a few other names we got to get to here, and I want to give give time for them. We're going to stick with the team, and we're going to go number forty eight at Tony Gonsolin. So you said that there are things that you want him to fix, but what what does, I'm saying this a little tongue-in-cheek, what, what does the NLERA leader need to fix? Okay, all right. First of all, staying healthy, that's a good thing. Sure. 
That's true, but there are guys above uh, him who are going to have fewer innings yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I question if his splitter can continue being the pitch that it is a lot. Uh, 113 batting average allowed last year, 152 Babbitt, um, 171 X average. So already right there, you see a massive gap, even though he's saying 171, like whatever. Totally get that. Um, splitters are the more inconsistent pitches in baseball. We know this. I don't need to go into that more. He raised its strike rate to 70%. Last year, you don't see that unless it's Kevin Gosman's splitter. Also, it was a 58% strike rate in 2021. I do not believe that's sustainable for a splitter. I just, I'm going to say it right now. I got Tony Gonsolin's splitter is not going to have as high of a strike rate this year. And the four seamer is not good. It is not a good four seamer. Um, 30% hard contact, 261 batting average allowed. 283x average i uh, low swing strike rate numbers on it and if you think of zach gallons it's not a good swing strike rate it's fastball right something like eight percent like onslaughts however gallon has like 25 percent called strike rate on it sub 20 percent for gonsolin on his four seamer so he's super hyper reliant to be redundant there on that splitter getting strikes especially with the slider being a sub 60 percent strike pitch so i mean yes he saves that more as a whiff pitch um, later in counts. I understand that. Um, but he still throws it 54% of the time early. And I, I think that's a little bit of a weakness as well. What happens, what I expect to happen for Gonsolin here is that when the splitter is not a 70% strike rate pitch, then it's going to require more from the slider, more from the fastball. And that's not going to work. Or maybe you can say, Nick, he has a, the curveball. He throws 12% of the time. Yeah, that's 36% called strike rate. What do you know? He throws it 80% early in counts. Okay. I'm happy he has that show me pitch. Maybe that'll help him mitigate it. But I I, I see someone at a 5.5 hit per nine last year. What? That a 207 BABIP, a 260 expected BABIP, 84% left on base rate. I mean, I don't love to talk about the hotel so much, the Holy Trinity equate and luck, but like we know that's going to change. And uh, it's going to get a lot worse quickly. And as we know, too, guys that do really well on the luck side don't just, oh, they get a little bit less luck and everything's fine. It generally falls down in momentum wise. He's not going to go 16 and one. Um, that's just not the not what it's going to be, especially when you have also the health stuff involved. So all of those factors combined have me down on Tony Gonsolin. That said, he's in my top 50. Would I like to have Tony Gonsolin on my team? Sure. What the heck? Let's see what happens. You know, this could still be very good. 214 ERA last year, 323 when he had a 135 whip the previous year. You know, that was with mm-hmm. a terrible walk rate. Um, Look, I just see a volatile guy. I see something that I don't quite know really what we're going to get. And that scares me. That, that has me steering away where I feel like it's a clearer path with others. So... I'm a little bit out on Tony Gonsolin. I imagine a lot of people are in. I get it, but I just don't trust the splitter having 70% strike rate. Yeah, I mean, I'm just thinking contextually about where he is with Heaney and, and Detmers, right? Because he's he's done it consistently. He did it for 130 innings. He has the ability to do it. I have no argument that it would be very difficult to repeat. But I also think that we might be, like you said, almost rubber banding or overcorrecting, right? Because the whip, Sure, will fall, but where will it fall? And you think he's automatically all of a sudden going to be well, like a one twenty? I think, I think it's the, the 
the the Babbitt fall gets worse and the walk rate gets worse too. So that's ten. Mm. That's like that. That is um, uh, amplifies itself, right? It's compounding. That's the word I'm looking for there. Uh, I don't know where. I, I I find it so difficult to project a guy like Tony Gonsolin because we yeah. saw 135 whip the year before. Sure, 55 innings, 40% whip, walk rate. I get it. Like that seems weird too. Uh, I don't know. And but yeah, let's just say it's a 114. Why not? Right? Let's just split the difference mm-hmm. and say it's a 114 whip. Then the ERA goes back down to like a three. I'd say like a three five or something. Strike area was only twenty four percent last year. If you're getting fewer strikes on your splitter, can you maintain that? I don't know. Um, that that's kind of what I see, and that's why he's in this tier of Chris Sale and Andrew Heaney, right? Mm-hmm. It's similar to me. I uh, so I don't know. I, I really don't know what we're going to see from Tony Gonzalez next year. All right, Dustin May coming in at number forty nine again, sticking with the Dodgers. How many, how many innings do you think Dustin May is going to get this year? So, guys, I don't know, man. <laughs> His career is high is 56. His career high was in the COVID season. Yeah, because he got Tommy John in 2020. I know, but it's just still crazy to think about. He's, he debuted in 2019. He should have more than Tony Gonson, Chris Sale, and Andrew Heaney, I would hope. Okay. I would hope because it's really just Tommy John that's messing him up here, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't know how many, like, at least Gonson threw 130 last year. I don't even know if if the Dodgers let him throw more than a hundred more innings that he did in 2022. But yeah, I don't, I don't think it works like that. I, I think it's more of like, all right, you're, this is your full Tommy John season, like 150 plus or something along those lines. Right. Um, But the worry I have about Dustin may, I mean, they do say yes. After you've Tommy John, the biggest, the the last thing to come back is command. Right. So 11% walk rate last year, but he's a sinker baller. And what we saw in 2021 that got us excited was the cutter becoming a 25% swing strike rate in the very small sample. Uh, that was 68 pitches, right? Uh, I don't know if that's going to return. <laughs> uh, yeah. In 2020, it was 12%. In 2022, it was 13%. Um, again, all small samples, 217 in 2020, 101 in 2022. But we've seen the, the cutter be worse more than it has been really good. And I get, man, that velocity, oh boy, it is so fun to watch 32% hard contact rate. It gets hit hard. Uh, only a 6% swing strike rate. Like he's relying on this being that ground ball pitch. Hey, Logan Webb, Framber Valdez is allowed to do that. You have the good defense of the Dodgers. I understand, but it's clearly unwieldy uh, because of that walk rate. So I I need to see more out of Dustin Maeve before I become really into this again. Um, I want to have him on my teams though. Top 50, all these guys in the top 50, I'd be very happy yep. to have them on my teams. But it could very much be a situation just, man, do I want to still hold on to Dustin May or not? And that's why the cutoff was at Pablo Lopez. I was saying, yeah, I feel a lot more stable with that. Um, there are a couple other guys we're going to talk about um, in the next couple. And we're not today, just one more today. But you could argue that should be over Dustin May because you might feel more confident that they will go 150 plus innings of good baseball for you. Um, The excitement is there for Dustin May. It's just, it's more volatile and depends on what kind of risk you want to take. I want to give you an opportunity to either correct or double down. You said you'd be very happy to have any of these guys. Uh, Yeah, sure. Is that, does that stop at Lucas Giolito? Can you still use very (laughs) happy to have Lucas Giolito at number 50? 
I yeah, I would be happy to have Lucas Gilles. I would love to take the chance on him. Um, so obviously, people who rostered Lucas Giolito last year are probably still feeling. It is the a same. start of a tier, by the way. This oh, it is this one. Yeah, what's the candle? Oh God, I should have just not. I should have said there's no tier now. I should. Yeah, said, you really beefed tier. it. <laughs> I haven't heard that. In a long time. <laughs> what is the candle? Um, it is the candle bra. Um, candelabra or no 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 no! i'm doing it okay fine candelabra Sorry, go on. i forgot the yeah you're right um i'm trying to think do i want to do the one from beauty and the beast or do i want to just like lean into the bra part i uh, i'm gonna say the one from the beauty and the beast so it's pierre i believe i uh, yeah. and the reason it's that is because these guys they used to be human they used to be something else <laughs> <laughs> but now they're in a different form and all we want is for them to come real again. Well, hopefully it ends uh, as well for Lucas Giolito as it does for uh, him in the movie. Um, it, it was up and down. It was really up and down and it was 161 innings, uh, which was uh, the lowest uh, since 2017. Um what do you like? There was just, I, I felt like every start we we're like, all right, he's probably going to get it back. He's probably going to get it back. He's, and then he didn't. Um, 50, is that just kind of you on the edge of like, I really think he does, but we need to bake in the risk that he doesn't. So, what is one thing that you've been mentioning a lot in these podcasts uh, about pitches midseason? Uh, that they can, that they're difficult to change mid year. Right. And Lucas Julia last year was placed in the IL with an abdominal strain on April 9th, pretty much opening day, right? Uh, and went down with it. And he's actually been said, uh, quoted to be saying, yeah, that injury messed me up completely um, through the year. And he never really was able to get over that, never made able to make an adjustment or anything like that. And we saw velocity drop on the fastball all year, 92.6. But honestly, I saw 90 and 91 at days, and this was just... There are times that like it's horror to me. You know, I look at it and just get so anxious <laughs> and terrified. Sure. I'm like, who are you? You know, it, it's, it's sometimes in horror they they play with you that they show a human body, but like it's distorted in a way that doesn't feel human. Okay. And that's yeah. a scary thing. That's how it felt looking at Lucas Geely to throw 89 miles per hour on a pitch. I'm just going, no, that's not who are you? What have you done? Yeah. Because he was averaging 94 in 2020 and 2021. And 2019 as well. So what I take away from this is if you want a guy to hit the reset button, it's Lucas Giolito after this season. And he's done it before. He adjusted his arm action to change. He actually has already shown video of having a longer one, which is kind of weird. So it's going back to what it was before the, the good change. I'm not really reading into that with this uh, ranking. But if Lucas Giolito is sitting 93 plus uh, in spring training, yeah, then I'm fine. So that that sets up everything. 14% sure. swing strike rate in 2020 with the pitch, 12% in 2021, sub 10%, uh, which then leads into everything else. It makes a slider better, makes his changeup better. Those were actually decent pitches for him last year. The slider was hit a little bit harder, but that's I think I think that's because the four seamer wasn't nearly as effective and he had to do more uh with that slider. So I, I, it all comes back to can he fix himself in this offseason he's done before I'm going to say yeah this 
this really does feel like a lost season for Lucas Giolito. And no, he's not destined now to be a 92 and change velocity guy. I believe that the abdominal strain really just affect him through the year. Get rid of that. We can forget this ever happened. And what do you know? He was a 3.5 ERA and about a 110 whip guy before with a 28% K rate for a winning ball club. So yeah. that works for me. Nick, we got through your top 50. I'm going to let you go because I you my, my young boy needs his rest because you're about to embark upon a three-day, four-day marathon. Four-day, yeah. A four-day marathon that you will get no rest for. No, um, yeah. Any party oh, no, I'm, words? I'm going to enjoy it like everybody else. 12 to 10, I'll no, go no, to no. bed. It'll be nice. <laughs> he says that and then he messages me every year. Why have I done this? Uh, never. What, what are we doing? Never. I have never messaged you that. Uh, I'm so tired. These people, I can't stand them. They mean nothing to me. Oh, this is um, what Fast sends to me. That's why he's only doing one thing for PitchCon this year. No. Uh, yeah. The reason I'm only doing one thing is, I don't know, because I have a child. Uh, yeah, this and, is why he's so tired. Zone. And yeah. <laughs> that's true. The time zone actually really screws me too. Oh, um, but listen, that's going to do it for episode number 370 of On the Corner, the official PitcherList.com podcast. I'm your host, Alex Fast. And I'm Nick Pollock. Enjoy PitchCon. And we'll talk to you guys next week.